Welcome to Even Alex Liggins, the podcast. I am Alex Liggins, your host, and I'm excited that you chose today to tune in to hear real stories coming from real people exposing true transparency. How do you live life knowing that normal is not your normal? I have Philip here who has ADHD and he shares his experience and how he deals with it on a day-to-day basis. Now, Philip is a owner of Fritz Streets. He's owned several of different businesses. He's been in the uh, music industry, um, works full-time in his community, and as well as um, been interviewed on several different uh, platforms such as AZ Central, um, Devour Phoenix, and uh, Kay's Car News. Um, now, Flip is just one of the amazing people in my life, and I just love being around him. This person, my dear friend, Flip, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. So I want to begin understanding the beginning of your life. Probably every mid-90s, you know, stereotypical middle America come up, like went to public school, went to Hebrew school after night. I should, I should preface it. I was also like every Jewish American because like <laughs> there's like days where there's extra hours included because you got to do the Jew shit. So it was, you know, like you go to elementary school, you go to Hebrew school, you come home, mom and dad, little sister, like. Played with my neighbors, rode bikes. It was, it was a joyous time to be a child. Like, wow. Yeah, it was like you know when 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 Nintendo sixty four comes out, like that's the height of technology. Like you're not like <laughs> like kids these days are fucked because yeah, at like an early age they have better like better graphics than I ever had you know, <laughs> until I was an adult. So I don't know. I I loved it, man. Like I, you had an imagination back then. Like yeah. simple things were fun to play with. I rode horses. I made forts in the desert. I went swimming. I had a blast wow. as a kid. Being a kid is the easiest time. It's the best time. Absolutely. What was school like for you? It was weird. It was fun, but it was weird. The education part was different. Um, like growing up, like I got diagnosed with like all like the learning disabilities and shit when I was like second grade, third grade, fourth grade. So it was like a totally different experience because you go to like a normal class, the teacher is an asshole to you, you don't understand why shit's going the way it is, then you would get pulled out of a class, go to like a resource hour or a special ed hour, or you start going through like weird tests so that they figure out, because nobody knows you're like dyslexic in second grade or yeah. you got Tourette's in second grade or that you have ADD or ADHD, they're like, something's up, he's busy, put him in another class. So like, wow. you know, like nobody, like it doesn't happen overnight. So yeah. it, was, it was definitely like... It made it kind of shitty because you don't know. There's a lot of like unknown questions as you're growing up and trying to explain shit as everybody else is just trying to like be a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like I could still ride a bike. I would ride a horse. I could swim. But then half the day I, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend what I was reading or I didn't understand why my body was doing certain things. So like you don't, nothing makes sense, but you're a fucking kid. You, yeah. you don't know how anything happens. You're a kid. You don't know where money comes from. You don't know why we, you know, you can't watch certain games on TV. Like, what do you mean it's blacked out? But they're playing. Like, yeah. Like, nothing comprehends <laughs> to a child. It's a simple time. So, like, yeah. Being a kid was, was interesting, just like everybody else's shit. Yeah. So, tell me about your experience with teachers. There's some good ones. And then there's some ones that are, like, I don't want to say they're, like, old school, stuck in their way. But they certainly don't 
get it, but they're also overwhelmed. Like yeah. there's there's 30 plus kids in a class. You know, Absolutely. Like some of my best teachers were the ones where it was like me and four or five kids because you actually can get an att- like the attention from somebody whose job it is to actually fucking help you. Absolutely. Like, when you're one of 30, cool, that, that one's a problem. I'll deal with them later. You still have to get through the same, the same schedule. And there's some kids that are grabbing it better. Yeah. So did you identify being that troubled child? Oh, dude, it's, I was identified as it, and like I knew it was it, it was apparent right away. It's, yeah. It's super funny. So my wife, who you've met, mm-hmm. um, her mom literally is now like at the temple that I grew up at, going to like preschool. And there's a couple ladies that are still there from like 35 years ago. Wow. And when they found out that Nancy's daughter married me mm-hmm. they remembered me from like the threes and fours class or from kindergarten like oh he was busy was like, <laughs> what the fuck? but like 30 years later they still remember that shit like oh wow. that was the busy kid i'm glad to hear he's doing okay <laughs> yeah like turned out pretty well yeah, huh? <laughs> you know, like i gotta say like it's not easy being a teacher that doesn't pay for shit like, yeah it, it's kind of a selfless gig so like there's teachers that i still like I remember their names. I remember what they did to help me. I remember like mm. how like they actually realized like there's more to it than what I than what you know they were picking up or what was on like on paper. It's like Absolutely. no 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 we're gonna pull more out of you. Wow. And those those are the good ones. And so like I don't know I I like teachers. I respect for teachers. Absolutely. So Flip, was there a moment in time where you experienced uh, teachers not supporting you? Yeah. But for everyone that sucked, there was still a good one. That's so good. like. I don't know, man. Probably like precursor to life and shit. Like, yeah. There's always going to be people that are going to be in your way and like almost be a roadblock or an obstacle. And you still figure out a way to get around them. Like, nobody can stop you. Absolutely. Whether you're seven, eight, nine, thirty, whatever the fuck, there's always a way to get around somebody. I love that. I love that. Now, did you get or did you during that time? Because obviously it was, I don't know, nineties. Yeah. Uh, what type of medicine was available for children at? with disorders like this it was weird man like they <laughs> i remember they tried me on a lot of different shit and like all of it the side effects like my mom will still say like the side effects to it were like for tourette's medicines it was like okay tourette's is like involuntary muscle spasms mm-hmm. so you would read the back of the bottle and the like the side effects would be muscle spasms diarrhea nausea black sleep and my mom would be like you already have one of them like the others sound fucking horrible like the doctor tries it on you for a month it doesn't work it changes who you are and then it's like i don't want to do this like yeah it's not me like me is my physical body is it is completely different like i mm-hmm. i'm still antsy and shit but my head is still normal i don't want to yeah. like subdue my brain so that my body yeah you know that makes sense me. that makes perfect sense so, didn't go to college? No. Any inspiration to ever go to college? I mean, okay, so like my, I had a whole plan, like everybody, um, but like everything in life, like you embrace the pivot and when like a once in a million opportunity kind of presents itself, you kind of, you always, you, you either go with it or you regret what you do. So like growing up because of all my learning disabilities and shit, I, I would take cooking classes, I started like... I had a mentor growing up who literally like is still a valley chef to today and, and, and like I I would go and like that would be a release like okay I'm not going to be a, a, a high school student I'm not going to go for academia like I'm yeah. going to I'm going to be a trade so I I was interested in cooking I wanted to learn how to cook I learned how to pick up a knife you know I would 
do it that way. So like we always expected me to like just kind of go to culinary school, get it, you know, out of high school, go to culinary school. I didn't take, I didn't even take the SATs. Like, wow. We were like pot committed that this was just going to be like, <laughs> fuck it. Like he's special. He's gifted. He's fine. Like he'll make it in, in, in something else. We'll send him to a different route. To, like my sister went to Duke. I'm not, I'm yeah. not going that same path as her. Like, so the whole thing was an accident. I was, I was working in restaurants and I was also in, like engulfed in like the music industry. And, mm-hmm. and when I was in high school, I sold t-shirts for a couple local bands. One of them got signed to a major label. The other one were doing a bunch of like showcases and took me on the road with them. So like I was, I was learning that I could like, I could sell anything. I could talk to a stranger. I could, I, I'm not scared of people upon first impression. Absolutely. And so like, okay, I can, I can probably pull something out of this. And one weekend, uh, the band that I was on tour with did a festival and they like played like right before uh, Jared Leto's band 30 Seconds to Mars wow and we knew their tour manager at the end of the day like I was cocky we killed it in sales I went up to Buck and I asked him how he did and we were making small talk and he was like come backstage come meet the guys so I met his like the dudes and he asked me like what are we doing I was like oh like this band Authority Zero like they're gonna be done for a little bit but like you know whatever I got the gig at the restaurant I'm expoing at this place blah 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 okay a day later I get an email from him that's like hey do you want to leave next Tuesday here's your here's like here's the next tour here's here's you know September through like January wow I was like uh I'm supposed to like go to culinary school in a few months like I'm working in a restaurant I'm helping out with bands like I've got this path already like set up for me and I'm having a good time but like oh shit um, yeah this is a once in a lifetime opportunity where the fuck will this go I'm 18 okay and so I talked to my parents like well if you're gonna do it like do it now don't waste the money on college don't go down that path yeah and then throw it all away like you want to see what happens? All right, this is that time in life. Go see what happens. And when you're done, we'll, we'll figure it out, whether it's six months, a year, whatever. So Oh, wow. That turned into like nine years straight. I went until I was like 27. Nine years straight. Well, like, I, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Like, I still do gigs till today. It's really never <laughs> stopped. I, I toured like, that was my only income from like 18 to 27. And then I started wow. just doing summers and that's when I opened the food truck and you know, like every once in a while, I go do a weekend gig because. And how much were you making then? Decent amount. That is like, especially because like, everything's paid for. Yeah. Your flights are paid for. Your hotels are paid for. You get a per diem for dinner or for the week from the record label. You also get a buyout from the venue. You uh, you know, sleep on a tour bus. Everything's kind of basically a, paid. Kind for. of a different lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you get paid every day that you're on you know that you're not home i would get tips at the merch booth which wound up being a couple hundred bucks a night and like you're just having wow. a fucking good time living a like total surreal experience yeah because every day you're in a new city every day is a party you literally wake up one day and you're in europe you know like it, it's it's a super rad experience and, and it definitely teaches you some weird independence and, and responsibilities because Sure. There's no parents. There's no rules. There's, you know, <laughs> it's you and a couple people. Like you probably got enough cash to get out of trouble, but yeah, doesn't mean you should always be in trouble. So it's fun. So then you started to experience food there. So you are on this journey in the music industry. Yeah. Every day you're like every day is a different spot. So you know, hey, where are we getting lunch today? You know, start using you know Yelp and Google and 
figuring shit out. You know, you ask people at the venue, locals come to the show or friends of the bands or friends from other bands are in town. Hey, we're going to take you to this rad bar after the show. Oh, dude, you guys want to go do this afterwards? Okay. Hey, we should all go out to eat before doors. Okay. So like you start like experiencing cities and realizing like, I think a lot of people just get stuck, whether it's like on a super small town vibe versus how realizing how big the world is. Like, yeah. you don't realize what the fuck is out there and you don't realize that there's other yous. Like there's, there's the U of Southern California. There's the U, like every wow. city, you know, like there's the chicken restaurant here, the chicken restaurant there, the faux restaurant here, the faux restaurant there. Like, yeah, it's bigger than just like your town. So you get to go all over the world and you realize like, yo, the Thai restaurant in Denmark was bomb. Yeah. How do we recreate that here? Yeah. Why the fuck was that Thai restaurant in Copenhagen so much better than all the other Thai restaurants I had? And you start like picking out the little details and you start thinking like, wow. what were they doing? Okay. What was it like? Some of it's completely cultural and, and but, but it, everything is, yeah, it just, you just start enjoying all the experiences. So like getting to travel all over the world and spending money on food was kind of a rad little perk for somebody that was like interested in food. That was my, you know, before music. That was, yeah. And I, and I, when I say music, like I can't play an instrument to save my life. Um, <laughs> so like it's sales. I, I, I did merchandise for what 10 some odd 15 years wow so it's like counting to 12 keeping shit organized being honest doing accounting holding on to cash banking and then like selling shit so like you come to the show you buy everything that's that's my job is to sell you as much as i can as fast as i can make this band as much money as possible that is amazing so then you start to get into fries You've found a niche or you found something in Europe that piqued your interest. Yeah. Well, like every... Okay. So like all throughout like the UK and Europe, like there's there's little chip shops or fruit shops, like 200 square foot stalls where you walk in and you get either, you know, like fish and chips or fries in a cone or you go to Canada, they have like poutines, you know, you get fries yeah. and gravy. It's just like late night happy food, but fucking French fries are so good. It's just like pizza and everything else. I, we would always just wind up at a chip shop. Cause it's vegan it's you know like it's yeah. all the things until you destroy it so <laughs> like it would work for everybody and when you're shit-faced who doesn't want like cheese right. fries or oh man i should and you go to a kebab shop everybody's getting fries you know like <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is there's always french fries so um it was when i was ready to stop touring when i wanted to start like establishing a home life because you send money home for shit you don't see right the whole goal of touring is to not come home absolutely and then you come home thank god you, and then now it's, you've got like a storage unit and you've got a whole life that you literally put on pause and then you don't have any money so yeah. you gotta like build up a safety net build up a cushion and and then enjoy riding out how long until you leave again and eventually like that juggle of like do I want to leave why am I hustling to build a home that I'm not gonna like the, yeah. the it's not for everybody but you know it turned to that point where I was like, okay, well, what else could I do? Like, mm. I'm 28, I don't have a college degree. Mm -hmm. I've got 10 years of insane experience and stories to tell from like being along cool kids and partying with cool kids and, and traveling the world. But like, that doesn't fucking translate to anything you see <laughs> unless you're in the music industry. Yeah. Like, that industry is like, that will get you a job in that field and that field only. Absolutely. Unless you made a friend that's like, hey man, come work in my office. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> sick. Right? Like, I'm good at, count, at accounting and numbers and math, but no CPA firm is going to hire some high school kid because I banked a million dollars. Yeah. But if I told you like, hey, here's my spreadsheets from the last couple tours. Oh. Now you want to talk. 
But yeah, but like it does, you know, like you still need more. Yeah. You still like, especially, like, especially in America, like people still judge. Like, do you have a college degree? It doesn't matter what your college degree is in. Do you have a degree to then get into a whole wealth of other jobs? Like, right. Cool. I got a, you know, like you get a degree in art history, you can go get a job anywhere else. <laughs> art history is rarely going to pay. You know, like right. you get a communications degree. What the fuck are you doing? And then it's like, oh, I'm working for so and so. And you're like, oh, why? That doesn't make sense to what you did. You're like, yeah, but I have a college degree. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I kind of realized I had to kind of bet on myself again mm. after touring and networking and realizing what it was it was like okay I could sell shit I like food that's all I got so yeah. I started working in restaurants just as a server um, it, and one day told one of the cooks at the restaurant that I was at the Gladly that I wanted to open a food truck one day um, and I had like the idea I was like I wanted to call it I wanted to call it Street Freets instead of Freet Street because Freet Street is way fucking better. <laughs> but at the time, I had it backwards. And I was like, yeah, man, we would do like street fries and all this different shit. And, you know, like a few days later, the, the owner and chef came up to me. He's like, hey, I heard, I heard what you want to do. And I like, I mean, he's, he's a quiet dude. He's smart as shit. He has two successful restaurants. We, we talk a little bit, but like, oh shit, now I'm in trouble? Like, is he going to be mad that I want to open a food truck? Right. Fuck, fuck, fuck. It's like, what do you know? And I kind of, I was like, I just have an idea. I want to do like, like a gourmet french fry thing. He's like, all right, well, what do you got? Like, literally nothing. He's like, all right, Tuesday, be in my office. I was like, okay. Wow. And then like sat down with me and then his partner was like, hey, like, I learned this the hard way. You know, I worked in restaurants for 12 years before we were able to open our first restaurant this and that. He's like, I went to ASU business school, but like, none of the shit they teach you in college is what we actually need. So like, okay, come see me on Thursday. Really? Okay. And a couple weeks later, like, hey, so I'm gonna teach you food cost. Okay. Teach me the numbers, how to like, wh where the percentages should go. Like, cause I'll, I'll soak it up. I'll get it once somebody shows it to me. Like yeah. that's how I fucking figured out how to do like inventory tracking and stuff like that. And, and all the shit for the music. And I was like, just show me, show me it, walk me through it. like. I'll get it and then my brain will fucking just keep running with it. Absolutely. Um, so then it turned into like, okay, cost out this recipe. All right. Next month we're going to put it on the late night menu. Make this recipe. And I'm like, so like literally like being brought wow. through like, like life lesson, life lesson, life lesson, life lesson, promote it, sell it, make 20 of these like early stage pop-up type shit. You know, like put it, we're going to put it on the fucking late night menu with the bar, tell your friends and family to come through, prep it before service, stay afterwards, change, work the, okay, we'll figure it out fucking just test it out see how see how it goes if there's actually anything here if it's just a really funny idea that my friend and I had had like yeah and so like when we got to that point I was like alright like this is this is my next act is to like bet on myself promote myself create a product and just try to be like humble and personable and, and just make the best fucking thing yeah because if it's good people will want it if it sucks people will buy it once to support you but like they're not going to return you know like absolutely you get a pity sale you don't have like an actual customer so like just be the best yeah. and how long was that uh that process for you two years from like idea of freed street to like actually getting a food truck so like probably about a year and a half of like just straight up two or three friends coming over to my house we would try to make food I would go talk to Andrew and Bernie. Like, I'd go surf five nights a week. I'd go take off for, a, you know, two months in the summertime, go do a big festival, and then come home. You know, go run, go work Coachella, and then come back. Like, wow. just, you know, put money away. Like, start saving up, build up, build up, build up. 
And then when it was time, I was like, all right, go all in, bet on yourself. Here you go. And you did that. You and your partner, you got a friend. You guys are sitting down at a table. And what was that? What was that conversation like? It's weird looking back on it because of how much has changed. But it was kind of like that moment where you're like, all right, you're in? Like, yeah. All right, let's do it. And we just kind of had that like that like one two like jump, and then it was like from then on, it was like, okay, I'm thinking about this shit constantly. Like, yeah, I've got a list of shit I want to get done by next week. We're we're setting like checkups on each other. Like, yo, did we get the banks done? Okay, cool. Did we find the builder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we get the quote for the builder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's put the first installment of our cash in this account so that we can write the first two checks. Okay, all wow. right. So like, when it happens, it it really like it, it, you change everything you know like that is your 100% focus it's your it's your it's your goal it's your baby now you push just because that's all you're doing now. yeah just like super OCD'd out on like that one task of like okay now we're gonna create this brand all, all anybody talks to you about it's like yo I heard you're doing this and yeah then, like you want to tell them you also are like I've already said it seven times today but like <laughs> that's cool because somebody's fucking curious Absolutely. what do you guys think you know so you you yeah you go about it that way so now you're at this moment, you guys, was it 80,000 you guys put together for the, for the food truck? truck was like 83. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> but it was like, it was new everything. Like we built out a French fry mobile, bought a shell, put all new gear in it, new electric, big ass propane tanks, fancy generator, like flat screen TV on it, waterproof speakers, awnings. <laughs> like it was, it was badass. I loved, I loved the, the build out of the truck. Having, having something like that to drive around was like, it was tangible. Yeah. And now, now you guys are business owners. Now you guys have a food truck and what was the first day of, of working the food truck like? Dude, the first service we had. So like nothing goes according to plan in, in life. And business, the first gig we had was uh, it was a festival at like Tempe Beach Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was super surreal because like one of my best friends who I used to tour with, they were headlining it. And it was, it, it, wow. it was super rad. So like it was like, okay, like I told them I wasn't going to go back out to, to do this food truck. And now I have the food truck. They're the headliner. That is and it was insane. also rock. It was a bunch, It was like pop, you know, pop punk and punk rock bands, and selling French fries to that market was like one of our ideas. Like, oh man, like festival goers are gonna eat French fries. Drunk people are gonna eat French fries. Yeah. People that are like, fuck it today. Today's my day. Yeah. Gonna eat French fries. So like, we show up, we crush it. We like messed up a bazillion times. <laughs> Nobody was mad. It was long. It was hot. It was tiring. But like, we killed it. That's great. And so it was. It was, it was kind of like just that that feeling of like validation. Like, okay. First checkpoints down. We actually might have something. It doesn't suck. Now, tell us the art of Fritz of Fritz Streets of Fritz Street. Yeah. What? Tell us the tell us tell us the the art behind your fries. Give us the thorough experience of fries. They just like you just can't rush certain things like. To make a really good french fry, you have to soak it, you have to pull the moisture out, you have to cook it a second time, like, and you can't, like, rush, like, a lot of people just, like, you see them, like, slamming, slamming a potato through on that wall yeah. out, and then they just drop it in a basket, and randomly they throw it in a bowl with salt, and you're like, okay, it tastes hot, and it tastes like a potato, but, uh, 
But like, if you want to make it right, like it just takes fucking time. So like that whole year, year and a half that we were playing around with just making fries at home was where we figured out like, okay, they have to soak overnight. Mm. Okay. Oh, well, and then we have to cook them at this temperature the next time. Okay, then we got to cook them hotter the next time. Like, this is how long they should cook at that temperature. Yeah. And then it was once we think that that's like the standard of what it should be, it's like, can we replicate that? All right, Mm. now write that process down. Now, now I'm going to walk you through it and you do it. And so once like you can, you can make sure it's done the right way every time. Like, okay, I actually have a product now. Cause yeah. like, now I can develop this. I have a playbook. Absolutely. So. Now, what was that process done at? Was that done at your house? It started being done at my house. Yeah. <laughs> like one of our, like when we got married, like we got like a gift card and I bought like an Emerald Lagasse tabletop fryer. Oh my gosh. So like we were like, you know, frying off one or two, you know, it was, it doesn't, I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad thing. Yeah. Like eating french fries every day. Oh, <laughs> well, it's me. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like this concept. I mean, I remember reading in one of your interviews is you were like, you know, when when the fries are made right, they're the highlight of the meal. Yeah. And so... Dude, everybody, like, you get a burger and fries, I guarantee you every time you eat a fry before you eat your burger. That's so true. Right? Like... If the fries suck halfway through, you're not going to eat the rest of that. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. It's just one of those weird little things. You watch people and they'll always like grab one until they'll know it's too hot. <laughs> you, seal, you, you seal fries off your friend's plates when you're like, when you regret that you didn't get fries. You're like, <laughs> That's me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just get like two or three. Yeah. <sighs> Shit. Like you'll see the people that they'll wait till the fucking end of the meal and they'll like search the basket. They're like find the little crispy shit, like the crispy sides. They're like, oh, that's my favorite part. Like people are fucking savages on French fries when they're done right. I love it. That is so good. That's yeah. That's totally. They'll eat them cold. They'll eat them like an hour later. Then they find them in a bag. Like, yeah. That is totally me. (laughs) I love your fries, by the way, and I want to know. So you. So you're in this business with your partner and then you get this uh, awakening that he no longer wants to be in the business anymore. Yeah. What was that like? Out of, I mean, like it was like certainly out of left field. I was kind of shocked by it, but I was also so pot committed to it that at the time I was like, all right, you do you, you be happy. I'll, I'll buy you out. Like we have attorneys in an operating agreement. Cool, man. Like we'll, we'll go through the fucking process. I'm going to keep the brand instead of like dissolving the whole thing and walking away from it with you. So I was, I was still not ready to walk away. So I, I, I just kept going. Yeah. It sounds like you found your niche. You found your thing. Yeah. And now you're like, I- I'm not letting this go. No, I mean, I love it. Like it, it's not, dude, owning your own business isn't for everybody. Like mm. I, I'll look back and I'll completely understand. Like it's a fucking... As fun as it sounds, it's the scariest roller coaster ever. Like, there's nobody else that's gonna fucking fix things or do things if you don't do them. Like, wow. when I had the food truck, if I don't know how to change the oil filter on the generator, nobody's gonna know how to fucking do it. If I don't know how to check the the, the transmission fluid or, or fix figure out where the you know why the gas flow is low or or, or any of the shit, then no, nobody else is gonna follow. So like, you have to do it. Mm. So like when it comes to like making it like you got to take care of your crew before you take care of yourself yeah you have to lead a hundred percent of the time and like sometimes it means you're first in line you're first in line and sometimes you're last in line but it's all on you like yeah if you're not gonna fucking open the windows today they're not gonna open them if you're not gonna fucking get up first they're not gonna follow 
That's you can't so just, true. you know. So if you if you have a good gig and you work for somebody, you only ought to give so much because you know that somebody else is still going to take over and, and do the rest. And that's why you're paid and you get to go home at night. Sometimes that dude's got to work or lady dude, you know. They're yeah. Gonna, they're going to grind for hours longer just to fucking tie up all the loose ends and make sure that tomorrow everything's good. Now, is any part of your disorder ever affect that ability to lead or ever affect it you personally in terms of making sure that you're successful? I think like all of this shit has led up to how I can do it. Like my shrink, my, my like original shrink messaged me out of the blue like two weeks ago. And this is the coolest fucking thing ever because I completely, I hadn't heard from her in probably like six or seven years. Um, she bought a bag of potato chips at uh, Sing Farms' uh, Friday stores where you go yeah. and pick up your, your, your produce box. And she had like, Lee has a shit ton of local stuff. Love that place. And, and it's rad. And she's been killing it. But, so she has our chips out there. So my fucking shrink is one of the people that like during the pandemic like picks up her, her garden kit, sees the chips, buys a bag, realizes that Fruit Street was my brand. Yeah. Like, I think my mom probably fucking told her, like a good Jewish mom, like this is what this is what Flip's doing now. And so she like she texts me out of the blue, like the sweetest fucking thing ever. And it's like, I always knew you would do this. Like I thought you were running a food truck. What happened? Blah blah blah. I was like, oh well, like I sold the food truck when the wholesale business kind of took off. Now we're wholesaling. The wholesale business came to a screeching halt because of the pandemic. So I started making potato chips. And she's like, I always knew it. You embraced the pivot. Like, you're not scared of it. You, from what you did, like, because my, my real name's Philip. Everybody mm-hmm. calls me Flip. She's like, it's like that second ego. It's like when you were Philip in school, you hated it. When you were Flip outside of school, you loved it. When you were, you know, when you would get put down in this class, you would go to the next class and you would get an A. Like, you would always take wow. the shit and then you would always come out with, like, a better spin on it. She's like, so I'm not surprised to hear that, like, here you are on, like, a third pivot for your same brand to keep, st- like, to stay afloat and to keep... Yeah keep doing things like and look it's probably going to be a blessing in disguise just like the last one and the last one and i'm like shit you're good doc like <laughs> i didn't get you like that analyze this emoji where like like uh <laughs> where billy crystal is just being a strength to, to robert de niro as a monster and he's like you're good you you're good you're good you oh, that guy's really good he's really, really good, good. Like, shit my strength just like Drop this on me at like 9.30 on a Friday and shit, she's absolutely right after all these years. Thanks, Doc. Good to hear from you. Wow. So, yeah, man. Like, I don't know. I don't even remember what the question was. But, <laughs> yeah, disabilities are fun because like they give you the intangibles to like figure out how to get around them. Mm, like, you so got good. like internal strength because of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, tell us, how many restaurants or local businesses are your fries in? I'm gonna say like in a normal society because like we got I don't know who's open who's shut down but like yeah I think we hit over a hundred restaurants really but like Arizona and this just sounds silly Arizona Nevada Chicago Houston Philadelphia and California between them we hit over a hundred Oh my god. Which goodness. is insane to even say. I just named off like six different states and yeah. cities. Whatever. You know, like <laughs> not Phoenix. That <laughs> like is we have insane. friends from Tucson to Sholo, Arizona, to you know, on the Vegas strip. Like it's crazy. That is insane. And restaurants. How many restaurants are you in? Where what I restaurants are you in? Okay. Um we're in the Phoenician, Steak 44, Dominic's, Ocean 44, Hush Public House. 
Citizen Public House, Cotton and Copper, Stock and Stable, Urban Phoenix, uh, The Vig. Uh, dude, there's boatloads. Like, I wow. need a list. We're, yeah, like casinos, resorts, local chefs, people that care about quality. Like, it's rad, like, the amount of people that I get to make french fries for. It, it's kind of, like, surreal sometimes. That is insane. But it's also it's also weird because, like, most of it goes through distribution, which is mm-hmm. super cool. Like, Cisco and Shamrock and Peddlers move my product, and they'll pick it up, and then they, they you know, have it available for their chefs. Yeah. So, like, there's times where I don't even know that my product is in a place now. Wow. Until, like, somebody, like, hits me up and is like, hey, man, I just... How'd your fries here? And I was like, wait, what? You sure? It's like, yeah, man, your name's on the menu. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't even get to say hi to that chef. That's cool. I'm going to have to say thank you one day. Like, shit. I'm, they're that good. They'll fucking, you know, like, people want good shit. So, like, it's now getting to that point where it starts to sell itself because if you were to eat my fry against any other french fry, it wins every time. Like, every I, time. I'm not, I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm humble. Yeah. Fuck you, I win. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It's okay. Wow. So now you're crushing it. What's yeah, what's next for, for, for you? I'm, on, I'm only in 100 restaurants. Mm. I mean... That's so good. Like, I want I want to... I really want to blow this whole thing up. Like, I want to disrupt the entire French fry game. Um, there's like three or four companies that, that control this whole market. Um, and, and when you think about like... When you think about restaurants, think about how many restaurants have almost the same product, right? You look behind a bar, every restaurant's got Jack Daniels. Absolutely. So that means that there's a company somewhere in Somewhereville making that whiskey, putting that label on it, selling it to you. I kind of want to do, I want to be the that for French fries. I want to be, I want to be known. I want to be a name brand. I want people to know it's the fucking best and I want to be able to be found. So like... You know, it's cool. There's there's like eleven restaurants in Vegas that have it, but there's probably a couple hundred more restaurants that I could probably poke, you know, with a stick, show my French fries to, and, and sell them to. Um, you know, like you, uh, I want to be I want to be the highest quality French fry like across the board. Absolutely. I'm ba- I'm I'm killing it, but I'm barely scratching the surface. Yeah, there's definitely be. more. So to like come I'm there. not. I'm not there. I'm having a blast doing it, but like, <laughs> ask me in five years. Remember, like, yo, man, remember when you just brought, got out of Arizona? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> Shit. Look at me. Look at it now. <laughs> and what would you say to people who have disorders, ADHD, Tourette's, ADD? What would what would you say to that kid or or to that adult that's just really struggling? It's it's tricky because like. If you can figure out how to make your brain work, fucking do whatever it takes. Like, I remember like having like IEPs, which are like individual education plans, and like they knew, okay, well he's not gonna retain anything if he sees it this way, but if he sees it this way, he's gonna crush it. So like, trick your brain to get into success. Like, figure out how you can do you, and then just fucking do it. Like, luckily, like there's for some people, you know, you you have the ability to have like plan in place you know like you could write a script whether or not they're actually going to do like some of the worst experiences in school I had was I had an IEP and the teacher didn't give a fuck about it yeah you know but like if you have parents that believe in you if you know like hey like one day we're we're all going to be good outside of this like then keep doing you Mm. figure out what works for you and then just go with it you know because it's not you're you're the only one that's going to control your destiny 
Absolutely. I love how you say you're the only one that's going to control your destiny. I mean, even for me, it is hard uh, to, to really think about that part, to think about um, how important my destiny is or, or how, how important it is for me as an individual to be unique and to thrive within uh, myself. So I, first and foremost, applaud you from all Thanks, all different aspects of it because the adversity that you go through on a day-to-day basis, I mean, you've figured out so much and so, you've seen so much. I'm, and I know we're gonna talk way more about yeah. this Europe experiences. That That is just fascinating. But just how you have taken uh, a situation that would knock people off the rocker, you have totally just transformed it. And so I thank you so much for sharing your story. Dude, absolutely. And we can definitely look forward uh, to five years and getting way more fries. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I told you before this episode, like, I want to be there on season two. <laughs> if you got season five, ooh. <laughs> Be like that 60 minutes shit where like you come to my super factory and there sit you down go. and like, oh, this looks like a library. And like, <laughs> Welcome. Take a seat. You can interview me here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show, Flip. Absolutely. And you guys, please, 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 if you ever um, go into Stake 44, Dominic's um, Stock and Stable, leave reviews. Reviews are going to get the word out of these amazing fries. Um, you can definitely follow Flip on Instagram and um, Facebook. Uh, it's Fritz Streets. Yeah, two S's. F-R-I-T-E-S-S-T-R-E-E-T. Absolutely. Make sure you go ahead and like some of those photos, submit a follow, and a review. Again, thank you so much, Flip. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in to Even Alex Liggins, the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. You can also visit evenalexliggins.com. If you would like to be our next guest on the podcast, email connect at evenalexliggins.com. As always, I look forward to hearing your feedback and tune in for next week's podcast.